vexes some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. I take like three weeks off and you guys start an insurrection without me? What the F? Well, I mean, what else are we going to talk about today? We're, we're going to air some footage. Uh, we have uh, a person who was there. Uh, we had two people who shot some footage for us. I will call them independent journalists. And uh, <laughs> so they are legally protected. So uh, we'll air 20 minutes of exclusive footage and talk about what happened and give you all the details, just like we did with all the BLM rally stuff. Then we will uh, give our opinions on it. And then we'll talk about Donald Trump being politely asked to leave Twitter. So stay tuned. We've got a lot to talk about. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Welcome to the program. It's great to be back here on really what is the first episode of The Chris Spangle Show, which we will talk about here in just a minute. You can find out more at chrisspangle.com or all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com, like The Brian Nichols Show, On the Run, Boss Hog of Liberty, Ginger Arky is back. Make sure you're checking that out. Before we start, I want to thank all of our members of Wall Plus, as they're the reason... The show and network exist, and you can support the show by visiting joinwallplus.com and learn about all the great benefits of subscribing. want to thank our $100 a month members, John Pusilo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskin, uh, Reinhold, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, uh, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Today, my co-hosts, as always, my uh, faithful friends and uh, the most banned man in the libertarian movement, it is... Reinhold and Harry, you are here. How are you doing, buddy? Going good, going good. You Glad are looking ripped. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Been uh, with uh, lockdowns and just having not having to do well. I just decided to just keep going to the gym. Uh, it's been great. How about you, Reinhold? Have you been hitting the gym? <laughs> uh, hitting would be the would be the opposite term of what I would do with the gym. So I haven't <laughs> left my house. I don't think in seven months. Uh, haven't had a haircut in a year when you can see the, yeah, you've got like a ponytail. (laughs) Um, You have the exact same, my hippie days, Harry, he has the exact same hair as my girlfriend's kid. (laughs) (laughs) That's a classic old it guy hair. You know, he's getting that. He's just transforming into that. All I need now is to, to, uh, be go switch over to a Linux type of, uh, environment mm-hmm. right? for Support our for our uh, on mm-hmm. uh, audio our audio listeners uh reinhold has the same hair as henry phillips in the uh silicon valley show the the guy that kind of talks like this that's in the basement um all right <laughs> well it's accurate so, accurate description of yeah me yeah yeah, I wanted to uh, just acknowledge the name change. I know I ran some promos. I don't know that everybody knows what was going on. Tried to prep everybody a little bit. 
Um, but the the long and the short of it is there's several different reasons, and uh, you guys are totally okay with the name change and being on the Chris Spangle show, right? Right. The check did clear, so I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, after negotiations, yes. Yeah. They got they got to split my stimulus, uh, so whenever I get that from that feckless bitch Donald Trump, I'm going to give that each half of my stimulus. So uh, that's how easy it yeah, is to buy these on about that. Yeah, well, <laughs> all of this is just a ruse, this banning thing to get out of should, giving me my money. You should hit him. You should hit him up on Twitter to see if you can get your money from him. Yeah. So, uh, long story short, I, I've wanted to change the name since like 2015 uh, for a myriad of reasons. But you know, we've always reached out to a lot of non-libertarians, and you know, especially with a lot of my projects going on, and I. I it's hard to get people to share with their non-libertarian friends something called We Are Libertarians because people then feel like they're being indoctrinated and they don't like that. So we wanted – and I've always kind of been jealous of the Brian Nichols show because Brian kind of has that neutral name and and uh, it's just sort of – and it's easier to book guests that way too because if you want to reach out and let's say have somebody on that – um, is not libertarian or is like some high-profile author or something. It's it's just a lot easier to get them on if it's the Chris Spangle Show versus We Are Libertarians. Now, the mm-hmm. downside is that that is how many of you found us was SEO, which is why we'll, we'll keep it in the, uh, the title on the App Store until, I don't know, Apple bans us or something. But um, those are the main – and the, the other reason is uh, as we have become more anti-Trump – It has put more pressure on other shows on the network, and we wanted to continue to give them the freedom to do everything that they want to do without having to defend anything we say. Um, So those are all the reasons, Uh, and nothing's going to change. There's no change whatsoever. Uh, There was a change from Patreon to uh, the the, Wall Plus moniker. Nothing changes with that either, just a little bit updating of branding on both of these things and uh, some new artwork. So... Uh, that is that is all I have to say about that. Um, so Jackie says Chris Bengel show has the best co-hosts. Yes, the best co-host says uh, Harry and <laughs> Ethan. Our good buddy Ethan Bishop Henchman says I love the name change. Time for Chris to promote his own worthy personal brand. Thank you so much. And I've got nothing but positive feedback except one person on the the uh, Apple comments basically saying well this is him abandoning libertarianism watch uh, <laughs> yep, yes it is yep, and, took this law you know yeah. Yeah, just like it's like those other uh people who abandoned libertarianism and use their names in the, in the show name, like, you know, the calm down all right moving on yes dr lord dear leader thank you tube um yes yeah, so we are we are. Is it, is it really just so you could just pump your own like vitamins and everything else that right. have the libertarian brand? Yep. That's right. That's right. So so yeah, that's that's what's up with that, and we thank everybody. So let's hop into it. Let me uh, place a marker. If you always see me look over, it's because I'm placing a marker so I can put. You know, if you listen on megaphone, uh, or if you listen on the main feed, I should also say this: you're hearing commercials now. And uh, that is something I never really thought about doing, never really wanted to do. But the costs and, frankly, the asset, why wouldn't I want to make a little money with the asset that I've built over nine years? 
Uh, that's why you're hearing commercials. The the Patreon, or excuse me, the Wall Plus feed is totally free, and you can get all of the archives. There's over, there's 1,066 shows in the Wall Plus feed uh, that you have access to, a private feed. And uh, you can get that commercial free if you join Wall Plus. Uh, the rest of you will get commercials and i'm working on a way that makes it easy to just pay you know a couple bucks and get the uh the ad free version and make it super simple if you don't want to go through if you don't want to use patreon so which i understand uh so look for that if you're hearing the funny thing about the commercials is i have no control over it. it's like a google ad type thing you know it's 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 i don't sell the ads uh my my host does that so the very first advertisement that was dropped was Goldman Sachs. <laughs> I got so I, I listened to it. I was like, well, this is just not going to help with the, uh, it, it, it's sort of like when uh, I laughed when Dave Smith tweeted out the other day uh, on Wednesday, please don't let there be a part of the problem t-shirt. Sort of like when you tune into We Are Libertarians and hear Goldman Sachs, you're like, yep, that's about right. So <laughs> with that, let's move on to the events of the day. And my goodness, uh, like I said, you you know, I take three weeks off and a, an insurrection gets started. Um, we are – so I want to be very clear up front uh, and give the same treatment to this that I gave to BLM and the riots over the summertime. What we did was we took footage from the events, talked it through, and tried to find the motivations and intent behind people. And then judge it from there as opposed to just blindly going along with whatever the, the two sides say. So, um, you know, I found out that a couple of independent journalists were going to uh, the event and they grabbed some video for us. I edited that up. It will be posted on our YouTube channel. And I want to give context to this. And so people can watch it on the video on YouTube, you know, it, behind us. Uh, or you can go watch the full footage yourself just to kind of grab some things. Um, and then we're going to talk about our opinions on it, and then we'll talk about Trump being banned. Um, I am obviously anti-Trump. Uh, Reinhold is very anti-Trump. He was on this train uh, a long time ago. Uh, you know, Harry's more neutral. So... I want to come at it from as fair of a point of view as possible uh, so people understand what we're saying. And and that's part of the reason that we're going to look at the footage first, talk to somebody that was there, get their opinions. And, um, you know, our, our buddy Wyatt, as I'll call him, he's he's a good dude, per person I know personally, and will share with us with his opinions uh, fully. But before we're fair... <laughs> I want. I think we have to start the day the way that the day started, and I, I will admit that the video that we are going to show is an edited video, but it is edited in a way that shows you the language that was used by Donald Trump Jr. That was mimicked by uh, the by the president, and this video was put together by reddit and it overlays images from the event so you can kind of see the violence that was taking place the destruction the rioting like if you were under the impression that this was just a gingerly stroll through the capitol building you're wrong like you're not reading all of the media then 
because there was poop smeared everywhere. There was like blood on on uh, busts. I mean, there it was wildly uh, trashed. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy the scene that happened in there, and the core of the anger at Donald Trump, the rage at Donald Trump, is that he held this rally on the day of the uh, of the electoral college meeting where senators and congressmen and women have uh, a women have a meeting where they certify the electors from the states, and the goal, according to a Rudy Giuliani, who has there been a bigger fall from like the top of their career to the bottom, like 9-11 Rudy to now Rudy, uh, accidentally called a senator who he thought was Tommy Tuberville, a, a staunch ally, but was a squishy Republican apparently. And he left this long voicemail talking about that their goal that day was just to delay it into the next day. And uh, Steve Hayes at the Dispatch posted the audio of it. You should listen to it. It's really uh, crazy. And, you know, when you hear from the inside of their camp that their goal is to delay things a day so they have more time to work, and then you hear the words and the language that was used, it's hard not to look at how at Donald Trump's complicity in this. Now, every person who walks into that Capitol building or attends this rally is an individual and has free will and makes their own choices. Uh, so that, but we talk all the time about language. That is the, uh, the constant conversation about language, right? That's the whole fear around the cathedral is that the language used by the left is perverting and polluting the mind of American souls. And yet when they're pushed back and say, well, do you agree with the language that is used at Donald Trump's rallies? They go, well, no, he, they're not responsible. Well, that's a double standard, and we reject that fully because people are highly persuadable. They're highly influenced. Every time we sit behind this microphone, we think about what we say and its effect on people and how that impacts people. And really obsessing about that is why I do the show the way that I do. I try to be fair to everybody. I have my bias. I am a prick. But I really try to keep that in check. Uh, and... I think you have to hear the language that was used. We're going to fight. We're going to be in your backyard in two weeks. We're going to, like, it's really hard to disconnect a group of people who will, I mean, I'm seeing establishment Republicans here locally that held office like Marion County prosecutor and ran for Congress thinking that this was all stolen from Donald Trump when, you know, it wasn't. Like, this has been a long long process of propagandizing people into buying the little tidbits of voter fraud. Uh, and then it culminates with with this moment. And they have this rally, and they're watching people march in a back tent down to the Capitol building after saying these words. This gathering should send a message to them. This isn't their Republican Party anymore. This is Donald Trump's Republican Party. This is the Republican Party that will put America first. This is the Republican Party that will fight for the American worker. 
This is the Republican Party that's not just going to roll over and die because the Democrats would like you to. The whole world is watching, folks. Choose wisely. Because if you just roll over, if you don't fight in the face of glaring irregularities, statistical impossibilities, That's right, guys. That's the message. These guys better fight for Trump. Because if they're not, guess what? I'm going to be in your backyard in a couple of months. All the patriots that have been fighting, that have been on the ground, that have mobilized to put good Republicans in those positions. Guess what, folks? If you're going to be the zero and not the hero, we're coming for you, and we're going to have a good time doing it. We got to start fighting like the Democrats do, right? We got to play their game. We got to take their fight to them their way. Our reluctance to do that over the last few decades is why we are in the position that we are in. So today, friend or foe, today, Republicans, you get to pick a side for the future of this party. Again, I suggest you choose wisely to my family, to my father, but most importantly, to all of you red-blooded, patriotic Americans. Thank you for being in this fight with us. Thank you for standing up to the bullshit. Right? Amen and, and a woman. We need to be the party of common sense. We need to be the party of reason. We need to be the party of our values that we hold so dear, that made America the greatest country in the world. And you guys are part of that movement. So stay in this fight. Stay loud. Don't be suppressed. Don't be put in your corner. Don't let them cancel you. Trust me, I've been canceled 17 times since I started this speech. I promise you. Once it happens, it's rather freeing. And you can kind of do what you want. Don't let them do it to you. Uh, So we need to play the left's game. Well, how is the left portrayed by by, by this group of people? They're violent. I mean, the whole message throughout the rally that, that the Trumps held was that Donald Trump is the only, and this is the message from the whole campaign. Uh, And I'd like you to look at this image. You see a lot of American flags, but how many Trump flags? How many red hats? How How much cult of personality is there in the name Trump? I mean, you know, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine flags. And an equal, uh, probably a little more than that, and then a, a lesser number of American flags. This isn't about uniting around the union. This is about uh, Donald Trump. I mean, it is the cult of personality of Donald Trump. Everybody, I think at this point, that isn't in the, the political cult understands what is happening here and what this is. And now we have to deal with it. And... 
we are at, at the point where we, we just need to openly address it, talk about it honestly, and stop tiptoeing around the feelings of, of these folks. But I will caution people in the way that you talk about uh, uh, everyone, uh, you need to understand, like, if you listen to Murray Rothbard, Republicans are in a gang. But uh, you don't walk up to a gang member, call them violent, crazy, you're in a cult, you're in a gang pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to choose new friends. You do it by showing genuine grace through humility, talking to people, being frank and honest and straight and extending a hand out and trying to lift people out. I mean, uh, you know, when you listen to that language, guys, what you hear is you need to fight, fight, fight. You need to, we'll be in your backyard. We're going to, we're going to fight and have fun while we enjoy it. We need to act like the left. You know, as you talk about this stuff, what you hear about the left is what? It's Antifa. It's violent. They're going to overrun society. And Donald Trump is the only one standing there to save us. And again, that video was edited. It's compiled by Reddit. It, you know, it has its biases. Channel. Um, But it's a fair and accurate representation of most of the speeches that were given that day over the course of four hours. And then they're told by Donald Trump, let's go down to the Capitol, let's march peacefully, and go show them that that we're here and that uh, you need to listen to us. I mean, it's four hours of fight, 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 and then two meek, please be peaceful. <laughs> you know, and, and tweeting out, let's be peaceful. And this is a common tactic with narcissists. They play the game. They give you little nuggets. They know what's right and wrong. They know the rules. They know the rules better than you do. And they know how to leave little nuggets that their supporters or the, the people that support them can go, well, see, they said this. But meanwhile, they're, sh- they're just poking, 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 hoping for that reaction. And that's what happened on Wednesday. And it really backfired on them. I mean, so what are your impressions of those words, guys? Let's start with uh, with Reinhold. Um, I don't know how much you want to unleash me on what I have to say. Say about it. This, let's hear. It. Let's. Here's that's... what. Here's what my rule is, Reinhold. Say it. Be honest. But let's try to exercise the eleventh commandment, Reagan's eleventh commandment: "Thou shalt not speak ill of other libertarians." Let's. Let's participate in the in the unity movement that is taking place. But be frank, be honest, and call it what it is. It's fascism. It, it, I've called this for years that Trump is a fascist, and he doesn't. I, so here's the problem: is that the people on the right will say, "Oh, you can't just say fascist. Oh, you're just trying to call him Hitler," which I'm not doing. Uh, but there are specific characteristics that are taking place that Trump uses that are out of the, it's the fascist playbook. If you look at the definition of fascism, it's exactly what he's doing. He doesn't know this, by the way, he doesn't like sit there and go, okay, what do I need to do for my fascist takeover today? He doesn't realize he is. And his followers don't realize it. But if you look at what that is, what the definition of fascism is, it's first and foremost, anti-Marxist, Second, it creates a uh, a questionability of expert so that you, nobody can have a shared truth anymore, which defines and creates an alternate reality that gets people who are in the 
in the working heartland, you know, culturally conservative uh, camp to then see the other side as evil, the enemy, uh, they're going to take over, they're going to change your culture, they're going to make you be something you're not, right? Um, so they stir up that us versus them. Now, a lot of politics is us versus them. Marxists have their own mechanism of doing this. Marxists uh, initiate the change of the differences in class structure, right, in order to to divide people into us and then camps. Fascists do it through culture, through um, sometimes racial, sometimes just religious culture, sometimes it's just what they define as culture. So they develop their own talking points and their own language and their own definitions, uh, things like the cathedral and blue pilling and and other mechanisms to uh, It's us versus them. Conspiracies. What's that? It's us versus them. Yeah, it's us versus them. The and problem the problem is when you play us versus them politics, you then get all of them talking and coordinating. <laughs> and there's probably more of them than there are of us. Right. I mean Charles Lindbergh had a a so fascism kind of really started in America in the early nineteen hundreds. And it was then kind of transported over to Europe. Um but remember what Charles Lindbergh did. He created a, a organization called America First. That was against going to the war and was very much defending the white culture as it were, right? This was the mindset of the 1900s, 1910s, 1920s, uh, leading up into World War II because fascism was kind of on the rise. If you have not listened to my interview with James Madison on the 20s clan that was posted in the feed last month, go check it out. You'll hear a lot of echoes, and I'm not saying that that people are in this movement are Klansmen because – We'll get to separating well, people in a moment, but there, there's a lot of that. America first is is very like uh, us versus them. A lot of the same tactics are used, right? It's 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 a propaganda tactics that fascists use to separate people, and that's really what we're talking about. When so let me let me stop here. Say, let me stop here. I want to make sure that we're very clear between, mm-hmm. and I want you to be clear about it. Do you think that every person that attended this rally or voted for Trump is a fascist? I don't think hardly any of them are. Okay. I think that they're, they're tools. They're used. So that's the thing with fascism. Fascists are the ones who are create. So you create a demagoguery, a, a cult of personality around a single individual. It's not about an idea anymore. It's about a person. Right. And that's what conservatism and the GOP has turned into. You heard it in that speech. This isn't the GOP. This is the Trump's Republican Party. It's all about Trump. It's about the cult of that personality. Just like, uh, you know, Hitlerism is what they call Hitler's version of fascism. Mussoliniism is Mussolini's version. You know, Aragon has his own. Every fascist movement takes on the personality of its leader, right? So they're never the same. But there's 14 basic characteristics that they employ that you can use to spot fascism, and Trump meets all of them. All right. Well, we'll con- let, let's continue this later because I don't want to lose people. I want to make sure that sure. we've got people that are on the line here. But, Harry, uh, your your quick impressions of what you heard. All right. Uh, <clears throat> do 
I want to give them the credit that they somehow like actually like planned this. No, I think they really kind of fumbled into it. The crowd got ginned up into what was going on, and we just saw what is professionally a monkey see, monkey do protest that just got way out of hand, and they had no idea how to put the fire out that they accidentally started. Um, Which is, is usually what happens, and that's sort of I, mm-hmm. I was having this conversation over break about the the riots the uh, with BLM and over the summer. It's like, well, a riot may just break out. It's like, no, these riots are on Facebook for weeks. You know, you can tell mm-hmm. you can, and that's why my I was so critical of mayors and governors over the summer. Mm-hmm. You sort of know what the temperature is, what it's going to be, and that's why the Capitol Police, the Sergeant at Arms. And everybody in the in the in the security services around the Capitol is in so much trouble. You didn't know what was what could happen. I mean, there were two hundred fifty thousand people regularly in the sixties protesting Vietnam and seventies outside of the Capitol. Nobody ever invaded it because everybody knew what could happen. And so there was, you know, that within four hours, five hours, they had erected non-scalable fences around the con- Congress so they could continue their work. Everybody who Everybody knew what what was happening with this, with riots over the summer. Everybody knows, you know, to to think that it just – but people show up hoping for the best. And this is sort of my problem is I try to look for the best in people. And, you know, like with Trump, it's like I just kind of had to go, I don't think this guy has good motivations. Like you – I think people show up to stuff like this because they are genuine in wanting to protest – Mm-hmm. And then there is a small percentage that is a violent element that is there just to cause trouble because they can. Correct. Yes. Um, this is the reason the the left thought about doing a, the exact same type of protest if Biden would have lost. They wanted to do the exact same protest. They were compl- they were planning it and doing it. And everyone's like, hey, listen, this is a bad idea, bad place in time, because if you lose control of this protest on where it is and the timing that it is, it, it's super bad optics and that's why i was like hey you can have this you can have this rally you can say all this but do you want to do it there and do you want to do it on that day if they would have did that in Margalago in june of this year of 2021 it wouldn't have been this bad they could have said the exact same goram things and but that's why like when you have a crowd of people you have to be very very careful because they will if you've got them marching, they will just everyone marching will just follow the person in front of them, just like a marching band. Wherever you lead them, they will go. Right, and 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 then it also just ex- escalates. We saw this all a lot in the BML protests where someone throws a water bottle. Right, you see someone throw the water bottle, cool. Then it escalates, cool. Someone threw a water bottle. I don't know what was a water bottle, but so I'm gonna throw this brick. Then the brick gets thrown, then the glass gets broken, then everyone's inside side the bank now, and it's because they're just falling along and everyone's yeah. just one upping themselves. And that's and you've watched it, it was like they're not gonna keep going. Crap, they're gonna keep going. And then everyone keeps talking about like, well, the police let them in. I'm like, well, they broke the line and then we're completely outnumbered. If you show too much force at that that being that outnumbered, you're gonna get overran. The Go ahead. The other thing with it is that the uh, D.C. police have been dealing with BML rioters and protesters all summer long. They are tired. They are fatigued and without little resources. Yeah. And a lot of times have been told to actually stand down in those situations. And that's what they've been trained to do, to sit out there and, sm- and, you know, and, and stuff off. And if you talk to anyone in law enforcement in any level in this country and municipalities, they feel – completely undermined like in indianapolis when you talk to impd 
individual mm-hmm. officers that I've talked to feel completely abandoned by the mayor. And, uh, you know, they, they feel like they're just kind of being hung out to dry by politicians and not giving resources and, and they're being put on the front lines for policies that they did not write. And that's something that people need to really understand is every law that is passed and the more laws you pass has to be enforced by a police officer. Everything the government does is at the point of a gun. And so everything has to be enforced by a law enforcement officer. The more interactions you force them to have, the worse their relationship gets with the populace. And it's very difficult to be a police officer at the moment. Um, And Mm -hmm. I'd love to see these politicians that pass laws mandatory once a month. You've got to ride with a cop once a day if you're on the city council. You're in Congress. You need to ride with a marshal. And if you uh, get into some dangerous situations, then maybe you'll rethink the laws that you pass. Uh, I want right. to comment. Ryan said, you know, I believe violence was going to break out no matter who won this election. And I agree with him. I think when you have mm-hmm. economic downturns, you have the pandemic, you have. So there's a situation in Carmel. I was talking to somebody the other day. This is the Richie part of town. And they have a, a, a bar called I think it's the goat. And mm-hmm. they are they have people coming up from Indianapolis, which is mostly shut down to Carmel, where it's not shut down at all. And they're all gathering at this bar and people are going out of their mind crazy at this bar. And they are uh, and the bar owner basically said people are pent up. So they're coming here and acting like they're 22 again because it's the first time that they've been out. And that's the sort of I mean, we all know how we feel right now. You know, and when you have the pandemic and the economic downturn and the election and the language around the election and the riots and George Floyd, we're a powder keg. And I'm I'm very nervous that that powder keg was lit. And I'm even more nervous after talking to uh, one of our guests who are on the line. We're, we're going to talk to two people who were actually there um, now, please. uh do you both want to keep your name or give me a pen name or do you want to say who you are, what you're doing? I don't think you're in any kind of danger as journalists for the We Are Libertarians Network, but uh, I, I want to be respectful to you and not out you considering uh, everything that goes on in this world. Let's start with Wyatt. Oh, yeah, I don't uh, I, I don't care to keep uh, myself anonymous uh, originally i was going to due to who i thought i was going to uh interact with uh but i ended up not doing that uh because you know why why even get close to that sort of uh element of society totally okay so what would you like me to call you jd's fine jd well, your real name okay and let's talk to our other person on the f- <laughs> on the phone what uh you know tell me what what's your name uh, so, uh, my name's Luke. Uh, All right, Luke. You, I mean, you just call me Luke. Luke. Yeah, I mean that's. I, so uh, I'm gonna that's I'm fine. gonna be, and you guys can't see it. I don't think you can. You know, maybe in the background you could turn on YouTube and watch it. But I cut together the video that you sent me, and uh, the first is Luke's video. And Luke sent this really, really solid, like a ton of clips with really detailed comments on it. And I wrote exactly what he wrote on this video that you're going to watch in the background. And, uh, you know, it's, it has no sound on it, so we can have the conversation. But I want you guys to see what they saw. J.D. sent some videos as well. And I want to say, J.D., that I, I edited out about 20 seconds of the video. And J.D. captured on video um, 
is it Ashley Babbitt? Ash- yeah. 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 He captured Ashley Babbitt being loaded into the ambulance. And I have struggled for days whether or not to publish this video um, because, frankly, it was really, really hard to watch. And it was very... Um, I guess the way, J.D., to put it is you can see the light slipping out of her eyes and she is covered in blood and she is in her last moments. And uh, I decided not to put that footage in here. I, I really wrestled with it because I think that there is there is societal value to seeing it because you see the cost. Uh, but out of respect for her as a human being and her family, I... I it was really hard to watch. Uh, so I decided not to to share that publicly because I wouldn't want that to be my lasting image, and I don't want to put that out in the world. I mean, when you saw that in person, how did that affect you, J.D.? Well, I'll be honest with you. In, in the moment, I did not realize that she was the person that had gotten shot. I didn't realize the uh, grave nature of her injuries. Um, I, I thought that she might have tried to run up the stairs, maybe fell, maybe. Where he's driving up to Anderson, so we may lose you, JD. But you, so you you thought she'd run up the stairs, maybe fallen down. Well, yeah, I I, I thought it was a uh, blunt force injury and not a bullet. Right. Uh, I, I I thought just in, in in the crush of people that she had, you know, been injured. And they, they carried her out, and they were going to render aid, so on and so forth. Uh, but after I watched the video again, and I compared the pants and shoes that she was wearing to the video inside the Capitol where an individual was shot, you know, then I knew, okay, this is the same person. And uh, when, when I was watching the video, I, I assessed that she was dead. On, on the gurney before she was even taken into the ambulance. But, uh, you know, it was, it was really, really hard for me to watch. So just to be clear with our listeners and those watching and those that can grab the video on YouTube to kind of see what they saw, if you want to share the video or watch it yourself later, um, that is missing a piece. Uh, and I just want to be honest about it and why I made that choice. And uh, you're just going to have to trust me on that. So, Let's start with Luke. So Luke's video is up first here. It's rolling in the background. If you want to go watch the YouTube version of this show, then you can see uh, it in the background. So Luke, why did you go to the rally? And we're showing Alex Jones <laughs> up first here. So what, what was your what was your intention of going? Um, you know, I just want. I knew something was going to happen. I thought you might see a couple scuffles. Um, but I was just interested to see what's going on, but I, I didn't definitely did not expect what happened to him happen. What are, what is your political leanings? Um, I'm pretty much just a libertarian, even though I'm a registered independent. Um, yeah. Would you say you uh, lean more right, more left? Or are you just sort of, uh, generally libertarian, not really that interested? Like what's, where are you at? Um, I mean, I voted for Joe, Joe Jorgensen. Um, I pretty, I, you know, I, my big thing is like decentralization, just letting people take care of themselves. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, the communities at the lowest level should be able to make rules that govern them, not necessarily, you know, 
state levels or the federal levels. Um, Perfect. Decentralization is a big thing. Totally with you on that. So, JD, what was your intention of going? Why were you going out there? So I, I went out there because I wanted to be there firsthand to see what was actually going on. Kind of, kind of to Luke's point. Yeah, I was expecting a lot of pissed off people. Um, I did not expect anybody to actually rush the the, the Capitol building. Um, you know, that's usually something that Democrats do, and they don't get a Supreme Court. Uh, nominee uh, to go the way that they want it to go. They rush public buildings. But I, I didn't expect uh, Trump supporters to do that. So I, I just wanted to go and document and actually talk to people and figure out why they were actually there. Uh, so, Luke, you were on the ground first. Your video started around one. So what kind of, you know, and, and things didn't really seem to get crazy until around three. So, Let's start with you. I mean, when you got there f- at first, what did you see? Um, there's really just a huge mass of people um, between the reflecting pool and the Capitol, and they're just kind of chanting, uh, rallying. And then you see, like, you see, you know, you see people giving speeches, like the video of Alex Jones. I think he was standing on top of a car at that point, um, giving a speech, uh, ironically telling people to be peaceful. Um, and then kind of all of a sudden, and, you know, they're, they're trying to push up the stairs, um, onto the, the balcony level of the Capitol. And all of a sudden you hear like, oh, he's got a shield. And one of the protesters had, had stolen a riot shield from the police. And then I think after that, everything changed because people were like, hold the line, hold the line. So, um, and then to the other protesters. And then after that. Everything went crazy because that's when they started firing the tear gas. I think at the same time they were trying to occupy the uh, the stands for the inauguration. And I think that's where a lot of the tear gas was shot off that and like the um the rubber bullets and stuff. So in a sense, they were trying to protect the property that the scaffolding uh, that the inauguration was going to be on. They were trying to get people off of that scaffolding, like people were climbing it. Yeah, I didn't actually see any of that, but there was so many people like inside of it and on top of it. And a lot of people were running around saying like, they're shooting us with rubber bullets and pepper spray and all that. And that's really the only place uh, where it could have happened. I, th- I think. Uh, now, JD, I-, I forgot to ask you, like, where do you kind of lean politically? So I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty libertarian. I've, I've voted libertarian uh, since I've been able to vote, whether it be a write-in candidate or, or if they actually had somebody on the ticket. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I, I did vote for, uh, for Trump this year. Uh, given, given the options with Joe Biden um, and the viability of Joe Jorgensen, I, I voted for Trump. Uh, and mainly because... I, as, as, as idiotic as he can be on TV, um, I have a military background, and I was actually overseas when uh, Soleimani was uh, taken out. And those precision strikes, I think, uh, speak more to the relevancy of the United States military than having occupied forces in countries like Iraq and Afghanistan for the last 20 years. And so since he's kind of made uh, public statements to say, hey, we need to get out of Afghanistan, 
we've actively withdrawn troops from that area of the world. That's why I voted for him. Okay. And when did you kind of show up? Around what time? And what did you see when you showed up? Yeah, so I, I actually flew in from Georgia. I was down there working on the senatorial campaign. I, I landed at 11.45. A buddy of mine picked me up at about 12.15, uh, went over to his place, and got into the city at around 2.30. Um, as I was walking up to the east side of the Capitol, that's when they had broken through the first layer of defense. They hadn't actually broken into the building yet. And I wasn't on the side where the uh, where the scaffolding was. Okay, you were on so the you were on the opposite side then, so of, of where Luke was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So but it was it was as, it was as chaotic on that side as it was on the other side, uh, but there were a hell of a lot more people on uh, the west side of the Capitol than there was on the east. Yeah, we're watching your video now, and and you're on the side where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're on the side where there's steps, and on the opposite side of the street is the Supreme Court, and it's more of a street area. It's much different than the other side with the mall. And, you know, we're watching your footage now, and there's just a ton of people and ambulances, and and, uh, the, the steps are completely full. And... At, you know, what what were your first impressions when you walked up? Were you just like, holy cow? Yeah, that, uh, that, that was, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 so when, when people protest, right, as I said in my videos, you go to the seat of government, you don't go to private businesses. So initially I was completely okay with people yelling at a building, right, because that's where, the, that's where their elected officials are at. Uh, but as, as people pushed past the cops, ran up onto the, uh, the, the, the porch or the promenade, if you will, I was like, holy Lord, like, I really hope that these people aren't out to do anything more than air their grievances with government. And it appears that some were. Yeah. So Luke, what were your kind of thoughts? What did you expect? And then what did you see when you first showed up? Like, did it meet your expectations? What was it? Oh, uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I was going in completely blind. I just kind of knew what time to what time things were going to happen. I didn't even know they were marching to the Capitol. Um, and then I kind of got there. I'm like, okay, well, we're at the <clears throat> we're at the um, you know, we're at the reflecting pool. We're just going to stand here and chant. And then people started surrounding like buildings and I was like, okay, well, and then, so I was actually, I was on the uh, other side where the Supreme court is and I watched them storm the stairs. And then that's when it was kind of like, okay, this is, this is not, this is things just changed, you know? Um, They're trying to surround the building and get what they want. Yeah, so there was uh, the Dispatch podcast, and Andrew Egger was there, a reporter for the Dispatch. And what he said is that if he was at the rally and walked down with those folks and was interviewing people and talking to them, and what he found was the people that were at the Trump rally and then were on the march there were like your typical Trump rally people who, you know, they had the Trump flags, the Trump hats, they said all the stuff about the elections were stolen, and they, you know, your your typical uncle on Facebook. But 
they weren't violent people necessarily. They just seemed like they were there to have a good time. And what I see in, a, in JD's footage is a lot of families. Uh, but then he said yep. once they got to the Capitol, there was a, a, a large group of white nationalists. And there was a, a very distinct difference that was obvious to Andrew Egger of the dispatch between those two groups. Similar to you'd see the BLM protester with the family and the kids, and then there's the Antifa guy. I mean, was that your impression? Do you share that impression, or what? How would you kind of break down the different groups of people, JD? So, I, I actually, speaking of white nationalists, uh, there was uh, what I knew to be a skinhead handing out flyers. And why did and you so know that? Being the curious, how did I know he was a skinhead? I mean, skinhead. <laughs> yeah, well, well, he had, he had, he had a, a slot on his right hand. Uh, but, so I, 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 didn't, I didn't record this, unfortunately, but he was handing out flyers, and it was for the, uh, the, the, the European Heritage Society. Mm. Uh, so after, you know, doing quick Google research on that, that is, of course, a, uh, a wildly uh, racist and white nationalist group you know, that obviously believe that white people are superior. Um, but, and, th- and those were, and that, he was right next to the, the, the step on the side, on the west side of the Capitol. But I, I would say that the people that I actually spoke to directly, like one-on-one, were folks that are really scared that for the last 30 years they've been told that you know, they're racist or they're this or they're that. And then, of course, over the last four years, it's really amped up. And they've had, you know, people in the streets destroying businesses. They're scared that they're going to lose their country. And I think that that fear is, is a powder cake that has been sown on both sides, whether it be the Democrats or the Republicans. And I have, I have serious concerns about what's going to happen on the 19th in the 20th of this month. Well, I, let's get, we'll get to that in a moment because that was a really, you and I privately had that conversation. It scared the shit out of me. Um, yeah. But we'll save that. I want to continue getting your, getting impressions. So Luke, when, when you're breaking down like the different groups of people, who you talk to, what did you see? I mean, how would you kind of categorize and give percentages to the crowd? Um, I, yeah, I would say most people, uh, like you were saying, we're just there for like the Trump rally. You know, they 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 wanted it to be peaceful. They didn't really want to do anything crazy. Um, but then I think there was definitely that uh, the other segment that wanted to, you know, break into the Capitol and do I don't know what. But um, you know, I saw I don't know a lot of like like these like really small like groups or whatever. I definitely saw some uh like the three percenters or whatever. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I definitely Militia, saw some of those guys. Militias, basically. I mean, three percenters, mm-hmm. in my view, are militia members. Um, I'm sure three percenter may have distinctions, but, you know, from the outside, that's what y'all look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, a lot of a – lot, there was there was a surprising amount of people trying to, like, yell orders to people, like, like we need to flank this side, and, like, they're just kind of standing places yelling people. Um, nobody was really listening to them. <laughs> so it was a lot of guys. Uh, in, so uh, there were guys in tactical gear, like trying to to order people around, and nobody was listening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
there's a lot of people with walkie-talkie, so it's like you don't know if they're like a federal agent or if they're just some guy like talking to his friends trying to take over the Capitol. But um, so it's pretty um. But I would say most people were like you know we were talking to people when we were um as we were leaving, and they were just kind of like they're just like your average Joe, and they were like really surprised about what was going on, but they were like. So they're like, well, you know what? The election was stolen. Like, we don't know what to do. You know, stuff like that. Um, so when so that's kind of my experience. When, when, you know, what else did you guys hear when you talk to people, or just as you're walking through the crowd, you just ear picks up and hears something? JD, what was kind of like the the chants or the sounds of it? What did it sound like? Well, I mean, uh, of course, you know, you have people yelling, stop, stop the deal, fight for Trump, fight like Glenn, um, uh, you know, kind of all, all these cold personalities as you were discussing earlier uh, with, with your co-host. Uh, but I, I didn't hear anything that was really concerning uh, as far as uh, chants go. Of course, there were a lot of, you know, private conversations that I kind of ran across that were very concerning. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that some of those did not play out. Um, like because what? Give there us, were discussions. Give us some well, examples. There, there were discussions like, hey, like, we're going to go, we're, we're going to go back to our cars. We're going to get armaments. We are going to come back and we are going to, you know, fight, fight the National Guard, fight the cops, uh, get back into the building. Um, and, and that didn't happen. Thank God. How, how uh, many but, of those did I, you? How many of those did you hear? Give us an order of the magnitude of that. I mean, I, I would say. I mean, I, if we're going to say that there was a hundred thousand people there, I probably, you know, maybe a percent or two. I, I would say were in that vein, but they, they were also, you know, the folks that were more in the, the tactical gear. I saw that there were some uh, militia members from New Jersey and Michigan and Virginia. Um, on top of all the other groups that were there, uh, so I, I would say I would say maybe maybe a thousand or two uh, folks were were in that kind of mindset uh, by the look in their eyes, by their uniforms, and by conversations that I heard. You know, and I wrote this piece on October first that got I got called hysterical for, called "How Would We Slip Into a Civil War?" That I'll put in the show notes, and it basically outlined everything that's happened over the last few months. And one of the problems with this is not that 50,000 people rush into the Capitol. It's that 5,000 people that are well-armed take on the police and a percentage of the police are sympathetic and defect. And then all of a sudden around the country, you have pockets of militia combining forces with 10, 20% of the police and military. And then you've got a real problem because people are united behind two different constitutions. You know, what, when you're talking, when you're around these people and hearing that, I mean, am I just being paranoid with that, or do you have serious concerns about violence in the future? I, I have very grave concerns about violence in the future. Um, you, you have to understand that there are folks who are, are ready to fight and are trained to fight, and there's people who are so scared that they'll follow those who are willing to fight for them hmm. on, but, both, on, on, on both sides. On both sides. I think we've seen with people who will make excuses for the violence too. That, and that's where sure. most people can stand up to their own side and say, this is not our society. This is not how we do things. 
Right. I mean, I was I was okay with people, you know, taking their taking their grievances to government. I'm okay with that. Like like when when BLM did their march in Indianapolis, I actually attended it, and we were at the state house, and we marched over to the city county building. That was the only march that I participated in because I'm like, okay, there there are some issues here, so let's talk about it. And but, but same thing on the other side, you, you take it to government, but you don't. You don't you don't break into buildings. You don't torch businesses. But I think that we're at a point now where both sides are willing to do that, do, and they're willing to justify it. Do you? Um, what similarities do you see between the two rallies that you attended? Well, none. I mean, because they, they actually because the, the rally that I went to with BLM was very peaceful point A to point B, give your speech, go home. The rally that happened on Wednesday was, we're going to rush the line and break into the building. Hmm. So I, I, I don't see much, much in, 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 in similarities, but I also don't believe that 98% of the people that were there wanted to do anything other than chant. Right. Yeah, how many people rushed? How many people did you both see rushing in? I mean, JD, how many people were were trying to actively get in there or engage in violence that you saw? I mean, probably once once that 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 once the line was broken and people started to rush in, I, I would say it got upwards of you know five, six, seven thousand people that were on the steps uh, and actively trying to get into the building. Luke, what about you? Yeah. What did you see? They were, um, yeah, they were crowding literally, except for the Independence Avenue side. Literally, every single entrance was crowded with at least a minimum of a thousand people. And, we- and um, and another thing, just kind of uh, going uh, talking about hearing what people say. A lot of the things that they were saying, they're calling the cops um, oath breakers and traitors. Hmm. And I I did hear one woman say like. Because a lot of people were coming outside of the building. And they were like, I made it I made it inside. Like, And people were like high-fiving them and stuff. Um, and I heard one lady say, like, a guy was like, well, what did you do? And she's like, she was like, well, I think the police officer's inside. Because, you know, most of them are on our side anyways. So right. that's just a couple of dynamics going on there. Yeah, I think the back, yeah. the, the back the blue thing is a real problem. I think that they wrongly assume and that's why partly why I would imagine the FBI is so aggressively pursuing these people is to make a statement that we're on the side of the rule of law and not on the side of an insurrection basically um so go go ahead JD you're about to say something uh, you know what did you hear from the people coming out and and in how they viewed people well i i actually wanted to direct you to the videos that I didn't post, but I've seen plenty of videos where you see the cops actually move the barricades out of the way, and and that's and that's concerning uh, for me. But uh, I, I I did I did actually uh, take a picture and I sent it to you of a guy who stole a, the flag out of the Senate chambers. Mm, yeah, and he was proud of it you know basically you know this is is our house we pay for it they work for us so on and so forth and while that may be true while they may be elected officials 
theft of, of public or private property is is not the right approach. Do, do, but do, go ahead. He was galvanized by it, and I, I was like, "I'm gonna get a picture." And he was like, "Get my face in it." I'm like, "Eh, I don't want. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying I want you to go to jail over this, but <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not gonna take. I'm not. I'm not gonna get your. I'm not gonna get your face in this picture." But they were they were proud of what they did. So, Luke, I mean, in terms of violence and insurrection, I mean, what did you hear? And in people rushing in, rushing out, future violence, do you kind of concur with JD? Yeah, I mean, these people were these people were mad. They were. I was like, it's like that one clip of the Boondocks where it's like, what did he do to make them that mad? It's like. I had no idea. I mean, like, it made me feel out of touch. And I'm not like, I'm not like this elitist, like, liberal professor. You know what I mean? And I'm like, holy cow, like, I have no idea. You're probably just like a regular, a regular dude in your mid to late 20s, just chilling and you, you know, sort of hanging out with libertarians and you felt out of touch. Yeah, because these people were mad. They were really mad. Define mad. And they were from all over the country. Yeah, they were from all over the country. He's one of the people that drove in from Virginia. I talked to people from Idaho, Montana, New Mexico, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, all over the place. They drove in, and and these folks, by their dress, you know, by how they look, you know, you don't want to assume a lot about people, but it, it took serious money out of their pocket to get there. So when you say they're mad. I mean, define that. Like, what what did you hear that led you to believe that they were angry? Well, the, well, they stormed the Capitol. They did do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they all <laughs> that little thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they um they all believe they all genuinely believe that the election was stolen, and that the Democrats have the power to rig all the elections. Hmm. That's, I think consensually that's something that, or, uh, yeah, or uh, as a as a group, they all believe that, and I think that really makes them feel hopeless, and that they have nothing left to lose. Mm-hmm. You agree, JD? I do, I do. Sadly, I mean, especially after Georgia, um, and I, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily in the camp that the election was stolen. Do I believe that there was maybe some funny business with? Secretary of State changing the rules potentially, but maybe more Republicans should have voted, right? So, but there's a lot of folks that, that I spoke to, like one on one in Georgia when I were when I was down there working on the Senate campaign, and uh, when I was in D.C. That all believe the same that the, that the system is rigged and it needs to be reset. What does resetting look like? Well, I mean, I, I would say that, the, 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 I mean, they, they believe in a republic, and they believe that the republic has been taken over by uh, a socialist element of uh, in, within the Democrat Party, and the only way to reset the system is to uh, take those who are in the system out of it. And if you can't vote them out, there's only really one other way to uh, get them out of the system. So what do you think happens next? I, I, I believe that um, on the 19th and 20th, there's going to be a very large element of people 
I don't think that they are going to bring uh, flags. I think that they're going to bring some other uh, items. I don't have that uh, with 100% certainty, but just based on conversations that I've had uh, with individuals on the ground and elsewhere, uh, there's a lot of people that are ready to fight and they're ready to die. How does that play yeah, out? And then, um, Go ahead, Luke. Continue on. And in addition to that, I was just kind of thinking about like, like, you know, I'm just making up a number here, but like probably 80% of the people were not like storming the, the, um, the building. They were, they were just outside chanting. And then, you know, they're still avid Trump supporters. How many of those people saw Trump get completely wiped off the face of the internet? Um, yep. and in their mind, they're being peaceful. How many, how many of them got radicalized by that? So now it could be even worse. Yeah, I think that this was meant to be Trump's Reichstag fire, where he was going to have, you know, it was going to be a galvanizing moment. In the, you know, the Reichstag was lit on fire in Germany, and Hitler blamed the communist and and seized power after it. And I, I truly think that he felt that this was going to be the event. But the the problem is that the the banning of Donald Trump from social media platforms. I saw everybody on my feeds in these kind of circles going. Maybe this is going too far. All the local Republicans were kind of like, this is a problem. And last night that totally changed. Like people went from having their doubts about the Trump movement to being galvanized and going, yep, they're they're out to get us. That victim of the cathedral is trying to take over your life and they're going to stop at nothing. They're going to wipe you off the face of the earth. Uh, you know, whether we think that that is rational or not, it sounds, I mean, it is their belief. I mean, how how impactful do you think that last night's events were on this crowd? Go ahead, Luke. Um, I mean, I think pretty significantly, you know, I had a, had a couple of people reach out to me and say, like, like, I'm really mad. Like, I want to take action. And these are pretty moderate, like, you know, <clears throat> people that are, that are um, on the right side of their, their conservative. Um, and they're just like, I want to do something like this is ridiculous. If they can do this to him, they can do this to all of us. So, I mean, I based off that experience. I, it worries me. So what, per, and, and I mean, this crowd looks like it's a hundred thousand easily. Um, when people started rushing in and rioting and looting the Capitol building, what was the crowd's reaction to that? It was it was like uh, it, it was it was like like from the movie uh, when when, when uh, from the movie Christ when Jesus was convicted, right? When he was told that he was going to go get put put to death, the crowd went nuts. As, as as people pushed further into the police and further into the building, the fervor of the crowd grew, and it uh, it pumped them up. I, I didn't I didn't really see anybody say, "Oh no, don't do that." <laughs> I heard a lot of people like, "Hell yeah, you know, go go grab Nancy and you know bring her outside." Luke, what about you? Oh, yeah, I definitely saw some aspects of that, but um, in like the videos I showed you, they um, there's that one guy breaking the window from the inside of the Capitol, 
you can audibly hear a lot of people saying like, no, stop, don't do that. Um, so my experience is that there's definitely a, a significant amount of people that were like telling people to, to stop, to stop physically destroying the Capitol building. Um, that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was not up on the steps. I was actually near the bottom of the steps. So I'm, I'm, I'm behind the crowd actually trying to force their way in. So I didn't, uh, I wasn't that close. That was, that was pretty cool that you were, though, Luke. Well, yeah, but it was on. Do you, Go ahead. I was going to uh, Do you both regret going? Do you have any – would you do anything differently? I mean, how did this change you, Luke? Um, I mean, it was – I definitely don't regret going Um, because it, it was – it was insane to see. I mean, this is like, this is absolutely insane. I, I was kind of speechless these past few days. Um, but it's definitely changed how I am going to look at, like, honestly, it, I mean, it, the problem, you know, the problem was like, you know how they, like, there's a lot of people that say, like, oh, there's, there's two Americas, like a black America and a white America. Now I think there's like 50 different Americas based on whatever niche you're into. Which is really like the, the underpinning of classical liberalism is that everybody gets to live their America and leave each other alone and not force each other to live in, in another America. Otherwise you get this level of suppression. I mean, so so it's impacted you in a pretty significant way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. JD, what about you? So, no, no, I do not regret going. My only regret is that I was not there sooner. Um, I would have liked to, uh, I'd like to try to identify who the leader is of, or, or who the leadership cell is of a group uh, to try to get embedded with them um, and try to figure out, you know, what their thoughts are. So my regret was I didn't show, I, I showed up after folks were already rushing the stairs. Right. And you can't really can't really talk to people because their their eyes are focused somewhere else. Uh, but how it changed me is I hit up a few county chair uh, chairmen that I know, and I'm like, we like the, the, how how we stop encroachment of the federal government is ensuring that we have strong county and state government. And so that's uh, that's, that's my focus. I mean. Joe Biden won. It appears that the, the, the Senate is now 50-50. So the way that you control uh, further incursion onto our civil liberties is to ensure that we have good people in state government. Um, I, I, I worked, worked to get Donald Rainwater elected, but that didn't work. Uh, but that's okay. We, we move on. But that's how it changed me is getting more involved at the local level. Uh, to ensure that we have the right people in those positions to make the case. All right. Any final thoughts, guys? Thank you so much. You've depressed the shit out of all of us, but I think we needed to hear it. Um, so, what are your <laughs> what are your final words for the audience, Luke? And thank you so much for being there, putting your. I mean, you didn't think you were putting yourself in danger, but I'm so glad that you got that video. L- Luke emailed me and he goes, he DM'd me on Twitter and he just goes. 
I've got this. I've got to do something with it. People need to see it. And I thank you so much for doing that. And JD, thanks for agreeing to go out there. What are your final words, Luke? Um, I mean, I mean, you just gotta take care of your community because at the end of the day, I mean, if you can, if you can make you know the people around you more libertarian, I think that's what that's what's gonna help in the long run. Not necessarily winning an election or um, you know, changing policy, but if you just win people's hearts and minds, because I think that's what both the Democrats and Republicans have failed to do. And that's why we're at where we're at right now. JD, final words? So if if people look to a building, an institution, or a man for their direction, they're wrong. I believe that individuals need to get to know who they are as a person, get to know their community, and, and work to shore up those relationships before you turn your anger to somebody who really has no influence over you. I, I, I think that, uh, I think that that's, that's the way that people need to go. Uh, cause if we don't, we're going to further, uh, divide ourselves based on our ideologies, what we look like, the identity politics, I believe are, are absolutely toxic and they're starting to creep into well, they always have, right? You have the religious right that we're more conservative. And then now you have what's called the religious left uh, that a lot of folks in the media have championed now that Raphael Warnock has won. So I believe that not only do you have a political uh, war raging, you have a religious war that could potentially be raging. So people need to focus on themselves and their community. Does does this change? Does this change your relationship with the Republican Party or your opinion of Donald Trump? I mean, how how do you feel about those? I mean, before and after. Well, so I don't really see much difference between the Republicans and the Democrats, and I haven't really since two thousand and eight. Well, really, really since the Bush years, but I wasn't old enough to vote in the presidential election then. But I, I had a lot of issues with the Patriot Act, um, a, a lot of issues with a lot of uh, other legislation, the endless wars and the whole bit. So I, I've never really been a Republican. I mean, of course, I've kind of voted for Republicans generally more than other candidates simply because of the viability. Um, and, you, you know, you know, Joe, Joe Bishop Henchman, mm-hmm. um, he's actually turning me a little bit more uh, to, to supporting libertarian candidates. Um, I've known him for a couple of years now, and he's a solid dude, and I'm glad that he's in charge of the Libertarian Party. I would say this definitely changes the way I look at Trump, you know, because I had, I did kind of have this belief that he was, even though he I obviously still is an outsider, I he's not he's not acting like an outsider anymore because you know they they stormed the Capitol for Trump, and you know that girl died for Trump. And then he was in a press conference less than 24 hours later denouncing them, which is absolutely in like he just probably threw all of them under the bus to save, to save himself. I mean, that's definitely, that's probably the most establishment thing I've ever seen Trump do, just trying to save himself. Um, he's just, he's just an average politician now. So basically, you got, you caught, uh, Trump. Gave you TDS, did he? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, guys, thank thank you both so much for your time. JD, thank you so much. I hear you're at your destination. Luke, thank you so much. It was great hearing your perspective and and just filling us in. It was terrifying, and uh, we just thank you both for the information and the videos. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, yeah, thank you. Thanks again, Chris. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Um. Let's just take a break here on the Chris Spangle Show. Uh, you are listening to the Chris Spangle Show, and I'm speaking. Uh, I'm hanging out with Reinhold and Harry, and in just a few moments, we are uh, going to add some breaks. Um, we're just going to kind of gather ourselves and our thoughts, and uh, we will be back in just a moment. Thanks for listening to the Chris Spangle Show here on We Are Libertarians Podcast Network, where you can find all of our shows plus more information on becoming a Wall Plus member at WeAreLibertarians.com. Don't miss out on all the great benefits of that. Um, your support is needed more than ever. I think if uh, you are not a Wall Plus member, I-, I just had a very strong sense that I needed to be doing this as full time as possible. And the only way that's going to happen is with uh, your support. Guys, that was horrible. Um, That was a perspective that I have, uh, you know, being a blue pill cuck, reading the mainstream media, watching the videos from the alt-right guys, watching across the spectrum. It doesn't, none of the coverage from any side even comes close to capturing what we just heard from those two guys when they were talking to people on the ground. Harry. Yep. Yeah. That, that it's gives that uh, more like surreal um, feel. So you actually can feel what was going there and you got to hear like a personal experience, not them trying to push an agenda or society or just try to get clicks for a TV show. It's more of, of this is what I saw. This is what was happening and just reported it. You know, it's the, what I always love for seeing anything. It's, it's like here reading an essay and just dropping off the conclusion chapter. This is what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to put it. Like choose your own adventure book and you have no idea what the next adventure is. Reinhold, how does that sit with you? Um, so, I mean, it's it's pretty much what I kind of thought was going on or expected to go on. One thing that was mentioned there at the end was that um, he realized that Trump was just an establishment politician and uh, he was more looking out for himself than for anybody else. And the reality is, is that he's always been that. That's always what he's been. It's just that people didn't see it for a long time. We saw right? this with... Um... We saw this with the, the debates. People for the first time got to see what we see every day, and this is people who have TDS, um, although it feels like Trump derangement syndrome has really flipped in the last four months. Uh, I saw Biden it, anxiety disorder. Uh, Biden anxiety disorder, bad. Uh, you know, for me, I look back with some regret. Um, you know, being a Tea Partier, it wasn't what it was at the time. You know, but the Christian nationalism crept in and I left. Um, And then when Trump, I was very anti-Trump through 2016, and I had just read um, Storm Before the Storm by Mike Duncan, the popular podcast about the history of Rome, and he had wrote a book about the fall of the Roman Republic, and the Gracchi brothers basically 
killed off the political norms, most Maorium. And we talked a lot that summer, and I took a lot of crap for being anti-Trump and just being a leftist. But I was saying, no, these political norms are really important. And if they go away, what replaces with it? Because what I just heard is that these people are not anarchists who are going to take over control of the government and live peacefully. They're not going to leave us alone, especially not Harry, <laughs> you know? And so I, I, I don't understand why libertarians are supporting um, – it's populism, right? It, it's the, the notion that this is an insurrection and we're against the government and we need to reset. But do we really think that the people that were involved in all of this are going to choose libertarianism on the other side? Like that's not – at all what they want they want christian dominionism if you don't know what dominionism is look it up uh and i'm a christian i mean i'm saying this as a christian who has spent a lot of time in evangelical churches i live in a mega church um you know i i i look back and i go when he was elected president i felt i needed to be fair to him and we spent three years not talking about donald trump and a lot of that is because i didn't want to lose credibility with you because if I spent a lot of time talking about Donald Trump and beating up on Donald Trump, you'd stop listening. And I don't know that that was an incorrect strategy at the time, but I didn't take him as seriously as Reinhold did. But my line was crossed with the church and the gassing of the protesters and just finally admitting to myself how many different excuses a day do I need to make for this guy? At what point do you stop making excuses and just start paying attention and go, yeah, this is who this guy is. And when, when he did the church thing, I realized this guy will mock me to my face with my religious objects. And he will hurt people to do it, to con me into voting for him. And then he will threaten to turn the 82nd Airborne on fellow American citizens. This person is everything Reinhold has been saying he is. This person, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy with Donald Trump. He is so obsessive about criticism that he takes the worst criticism in and stews on it and turns himself into that worst criticism. And there's a different way to take criticism, which is to let it roll off your back. <laughs> take it in, be changed by it. Um, and, and I just have to say, if you're in the position of being changed by this week's events because you woke up and you saw for the first time who Donald Trump is and what this movement is, or you've just listened to this podcast from two people that were sympathetic, one of them voted for Donald Trump, who just told you exactly what his movement is and who he is. I, I, I want to say to people who have been on the Trump derangement syndrome for a long time, you know, kudos to you for seeing it first. You saw it in 2016 when he said, I'll pay your legal bills if you beat that guy up. He said, January 26, 2016, I could walk out. He said in an aisle, I can walk out on Fifth Avenue, shoot somebody, and they'll still vote for me. It's unbelievable. There's a direct quote. or He said it's incredible. That's when he realized in January of 2016 what he was in charge of. And he has done everything possible for this moment. He's set every stage for this moment. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's saying. And he drops little things, little crumbs that you can kind of go, well, but he didn't mean it. And he, he said, that, you know, be peaceful on Twitter. Why did they ban him? You got to stop making excuses. You got to call it like it is. 
and you have to stop. People have adopted the psychology of their leader, of this man, and they are are immune from criticizing him or people who are allies with him. They are immune from it because they're scared, because they're terrified that if they t- if they say it, they tell it like it is, they let themselves see what it is, they're going to be excommunicated from the community, the last community that they have left. And so when people feel so alienated that they are willing to shoot their neighbor and kill their neighbor and wear a back the blue flag stickers on their truck but walk up to a Capitol building and kill a Capitol police officer with a fire extinguisher, they're that alienated. It doesn't get better by the hard-headed need to be confronted and the hard truths now need to be said. It's very clear and very obvious what is happening. But at the same time, we have to be humble ourselves. We have to offer grace. It's like, it's, it's, it's like an evangelical, a good old-fashioned Billy Graham event. Stand there. You tell it like it is. If people are moved to walk down to the front and commit their lives to changing and going, I'm not going to follow this thing anymore, they don't sit there and go, you're evil. They go, welcome. Now, you don't put them up front. You don't put them in the pulpit. (laughs) You don't let them lead a Bible study, but you give them grace and move on. But the hard-headed are going to be the hard-headed, and there's going to be people that are going to have to be confronted. And the rule of law is on the line. Rule The rule of law, and maybe we should talk about this concept in a moment, but... Violence may be inevitable at this point. And I'm not talking about little violence because I've walked in libertarian circles for 15 years. I've had conversations with these men. I have been shoot, you know, to shooting events. I have walked around the militiamen for a long time. You know, One of them basically said he's ready to start stacking bodies on my Facebook the other day. They're well-armed and they're ready. They're, they're doing tactical trainings. <laughs> And you're either going to be with the violent element or you're going to be with the Constitution of the United States, not even the Constitution, the rule of law, which is the foundation of liberty. The rule of law says that barbarians don't get to rule over us. Monarchs don't get to rule over us. The king of England doesn't get to torture us. The king of England doesn't get to do whatever he likes. There is a rule of law that says the government must be constrained in this way. The violent element in our society must be constrained this way because if the rule of law and the law enforcement cannot rein that in, then there can be no harmony, there can be no prosperity, there can be no peace, and you have complete societal breakdown. And so what is on the line if we move into a period of violence is not left or right. It is not us versus them. It's not the leftist media. It's not the right. It's the rule of law versus authoritarianism. And it's time to just say what it is. And if you're not there yet, and you just turned us off because of it, okay, we'll be here when you're ready. But you need to hear it because what I just heard from those two guys is uh, far worse than I expected to hear. Reinhold... I, uh, 
I mean, explain the rule of law. If you can explain it differently than I did, please do. Um, well, I mean, there's an expectation of things being right or things being agreed upon and standardized so that no matter your political beliefs or thoughts or views, you're going to be treated the same way as anybody else. If you, if you do the right thing, or you do the wrong thing. And the rule of law in this country was really, it, it hasn't gone away now. It's gone away a year ago. Right. So all the things that were being done for the past year or so in the Department of Justice has just obliterated any kind of standards of behavior um, for determining how the society is going to function. Right. Right. Um, how, how do you let somebody get away with continually breaking the law? Right. Just because you agree with them politically. Right. When you start doing that, what good does that law mean? When, when there's a law that anybody else would go to be going to jail for for 10 years and you have your political leaders breaking those laws and not suffering any penalty for it at all. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what message is that sending? That's just telling the next person who comes in, Hey, you can do this now, you know, cause we have a precedent set that there's not going to be any punishment for that. Right. right. So I know there's a lot of concerns about bringing, uh, what do we do at this point? Do we try to remove him by the 25th? Do we, do we, try to impeach him again and well we don't want to do that because we don't want to incite more people we got political issues and blah 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 you're letting somebody get away with something with no penalty and continue pushing lines right it starts off with a little bit of thing you know i might fire the special investigator you know trying to order somebody to fire the investigator that was investigating the Mueller stuff right Uh, and the russia stuff and then that doesn't get any penalty. And then, oh, let's start, uh, let's start digging up dirt on, on my political opponent and we'll, th- you know, coerce a foreign leader to invent something so that we can use that. Oh, there's no penalty for that. You know, you know, you impeach him, uh, political process happens. He doesn't have to be found guilty. He's still there. No pen. He paid no penalty for that. Right. He fires everybody who disagrees with him in any way. No penalty for any of that. All these norms and rules and things that are in place to help make sure society runs adequately and safely. And then you get, you, you just get continued march down that path. Right. So, you know, I don't know what else to say about that. You, if, if the roles were reversed and this was Joe Biden doing this for the past four years, the right would be insane, upset, mad about him breaking the rules of law. But they're okay with it with Trump because it's become a cult, a mindset. Right? Uh, you seem to disagree with me there, Harry? Or? I see what you're saying. It's not the disagreeing. It's it's just more of a Reinhold. You're like, you, you say these things and it's like, okay, but that didn't start with Trump. That system made Trump, and you're correct. They probably should remove Trump using the 25th Amendment to make something like a Trump 
never get created again. But they won't do anything like that, mm-hmm. and that he will not be the only one. Another one is being created right now, and it's going to come because they yeah. won't enforce the laws on themselves. That's the, and the worst issue. part. And the worst part is that person coming now down the road mm-hmm. is going to be better at accomplishing those goals than Trump was. Trump was fairly incompetent. Yes. About taking advantage of all the things that he was doing in order to retain his power. Right. The next person's going to be better at it. Yeah. You know, and we've already got people. I, I've seen people commenting that libertarians should be looking for a Trump like figure to go out there and, and lead the libertarian party and, and do all the stuff. I said, you're support, you're, you're talking about propaganda and fascism right. and all this stuff that you, you want to do just in order to create a libertarian society when that's the exact opposite of what we should be doing as a libertarian society. You, so we started years ago, decades ago mm-hmm. with just the president taking a little bit more power and he doesn't get stopped a little bit more power. He doesn't get stopped a little bit more power, violate the constitution here, violate the constitution there. It doesn't stop. Right. Right. And now you get to the point where all of those people, like some, somebody like Trump can say, well, you let this person get away with this and you let this person get away with that. And this is how it's always been for this. And I can, I can send armies to do whatever I want, you know, because we let Obama do it. Mm-hmm. And you, until somebody stops him. Right. And, right. and we always keep saying that, you know, the politicians are, are, um, what's the word? The, the, they're always on the take. You can't trust them. They're all in it for themselves. They're, they're, they're hypocrites. They'll build, they'll do whatever they want to do and there, nobody can stop them. The, you know, the laws aren't there to stop them. And we continue to vote these people back in. We don't punish the behaviors. So as people start crossing lines, they need to be told no mm-hmm. and get their hand slapped. Yep. And that's not happening and until that happens repeatedly over and over again, to the point that a politician is so scared to get anywhere near that line for fear of the penalty of that, that they won't. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no, you know, everybody talks about a deterrent to crime or deterrent, you know, does the, is the death penalty a deterrent or not? Blah, blah, blah. There is no deterrent right now. There is literally no downside. Don't, talk don't, about, wouldn't you say that he was curtailed and he lost 60 court cases and, you know, the system held and he's not president. The people checked his power in the vote. And then when he contested that, the system held. I mean, you don't you don't think that he's been controlled by it? This, this close. Oh, yeah. No, the I election I was yeah. close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. He almost, if he had been more competent, a little bit more competent. We would have different conversations right now. Well, yeah, but you said the election is close, but like the true voter fraud we all know is the eliminating of other parties and allowing to be controlled by two corporations. So it's already manipulated. So like the fracture in that system needs to be is also shared. Like it was close because of the awful controls they have. I, I think arguing over the election at this point and whether or not it was stolen is sort of irrelevant. You know, I mean, to to me, the the election is sort of irrelevant and, and popping people out of that, because as a commenter just said, like these people feel that they have a legitimate grievance. They think that they they are listening to a completely different media. They are acting rationally in their minds. They view government as completely illegitimate and as the aggressor. And, 
mean, Reinhold, when you say that the government is complicit, it tramples on people's rights. It's we live in an unfree society because of the government. Yeah, we do. And we and we do. But it could be way worse, too. Right. So let's say we tear down everything. And so there's this thing where you can call a, a convention. Right. So we can call a um if enough people say, okay, we want this, we'll have a national convention, basically throwing out the constitution and rewriting it from scratch. Now, if we were to do that today, what do you think that that document would look like? Because it's not going to be what libertarians think it should be. You know, you're going to have a bunch of totalitarians and authoritarians on one side and a bunch of authoritarians and totalitarians on the other side, arguing about how much control they should have over society. Mm-hmm. That's sort of where it falls it, apart it, for me is that somehow these two sides are 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 that one of them is the answer. <laughs> you know, like yeah. when when, you, I, when so, I'm told well, by a, when I'm told by a libertarian that I'm being uh, pro government by supporting the rule of law and the American Constitution, I go, I I get I understand where you're coming from, and I understand that point of view because. I've been participating in the the populist libertarian notion of that we are unfree yet over the last 15 years I've never I've been able to live out all my dreams I get I have uh you know uh, the the economy has not yet collapsed we've seen a, an expansion of personal freedom I have a podcast bashing the government like there there we're still a free society um, but there are things like like the uh, domestic spying programs. You see, I mean, I think BLM has legitimate complaints about police brutality, and you've seen the invasion into further invasion into healthcare, the foreign wars. Like, I, I mean, it can go either way, right? I mean, if you if you're if you're kind of like a reasonable person who's going, but at the end of the day, like I don't view Donald Trump's alternative or the tea party right or the maga movement at this point it poses the same threat that antifa does if not a greater threat because they're better armed like the thing about violence is that left-wing violence that we saw over the summer which was illegitimate and inappropriate wrong they should have gone to jail there's no excuse for destroying people or property full stop it happens in a small geographic area in a few blocks for a short period of time and then it burns itself out the problem with right-wing violence is that it pops they're very well armed they're very well organized you heard the the call earlier they're giving tactical maneuvers to the rest of the crowd they're you know the larpers that were there like it when right-wing violence kicks off it's not going to be pretty because they are so well armed and they're so the police are sympathetic to them. I mean, there is no doubt when you watch the videos that we've played today of the cops taking selfies, the cops letting them in, helping them downstairs. I want MAGA protesters to be, I, I want BLM protesters to be treated just like MAGA protesters. And I want anyone that hurts another person breaks into a place that they're not supposed to break into, destroys property be, to be treated like a BLM rioter. You know, like, I want, I want criminals to go to jail, and people are worried about the doxing in local news about people that were at the protest. Criminals, there's a long history of criminals being put in the local newspaper. 
you know, what, what we heard today from our two correspondents is that people broke the law. It doesn't matter what side they're on. And the what about is I'm like people in conservative media want to change the subject so bad to parlor and Trump getting removed from Twitter. You know, you can't change the subject. You don't get to go back to that old, tired line of the media did it. It's the media's fault. We did this because the left made us like if you if you don't just come out and deny that this was appropriate. If you don't come out and say this was wrong without, you just have to say it without some qualifier, like everybody on my wall that is leaning right just goes, but, but, but the left, the left Antifa, the sooner you break that fever of not being able to just condemn your own side without the qualifier, the sooner we can all move on because in group policing is how you change things. We needed Joe Biden and Alicia Bottoms and Killer Mike and all those people to come out and say, this is wrong. This is inappropriate. You have to do this. Republican, uh, Republicans were putting pressure on Democrats all summer long to denounce the violence. Mm-hmm. And where the violence wasn't denounced, the violence was worse in places like Seattle. And when the violence was denounced and the community said this won't be stood for, and there's videos of BLM protesters trying to wrestle down people that were trying to riot and loot, That's when it stops quicker. And if Republican lawmakers and -and rank-and-file Republicans and conservatives and libertarians who lean right don't come out and say this is not how we do things, the violence will be longer, it will be protracted, and it will be worse. And it's just imperative that if you are on a team to say to your team this is not how we do things. And if you cannot do that, then you you have to examine why you have that pathology. And, and people who are on the other team need to put pressure on the team that is committing violence and say, do you condemn this? You know, people like Ted Cruz or here locally like Jim Banks and Mike Braun, it, like you're, you're spineless cowards. Politicians are spineless weasels. I've been saying it all year long. If you want your business open, keep, in your, keep your business open because there's more of us than there are of them. Right. And so challenge the rule of law in court and go fight it. People will donate to your GoFundMe to keep your business open. You know, and it's the same here. I mean, the the the, uh, the lockdowns, I, I was amazed. I thought for sure we wouldn't be able to leave our house all winter long. And that just didn't happen. I mean, I, I'm sure it's way worse in other places. But in Indiana, there's really not many restrictions. Um and the reason is that there was such a – the political will is not there, and politicians are not willing to try it because they are – they know that the people are not with them. And so if people stand up and say this is not how we do things in the Republican Party, this is not how we operate on the left, this is not how we do things in the libertarian movement, then it's going to stop quicker but it's going to keep going if you just give these tacit approvals of, well, but, you know, they have legitimate concerns and, and, and fuck that. You have to be bold in this moment and you have to understand your first principles. That, that's all there is to it. And you have to understand why we have a liberty in the first place and how you lose it. And you don't do that by pussyfooting around. There's so much cowardice going on right now. So 
please. Uh, you know, I, I, I challenged a guy, a libertarian up in like Minnesota or whatever, and he, he posted about the left and how they didn't condemn the violence over the summer. And, and I just wrote, do you agree with what happened last Wednesday? And he wrote this beautiful renunciation of no, I don't, I blah, blah, blah. And I said, I just looked through your wall and I never saw you post that anywhere. Say it loud and proud. This guy then wrote another post that was even better than that, denouncing what happened Wednesday without any qualifiers. And it got like 40 shares, you know, and and it says to the people in his feed, this is not how we operate in America. And I was really like, I was really glad that like he he heard me, you know, are you for it or not? Like John Ulrich in our group, love John, go to church with John. John's very, but the left, but the left, but the left. And I just said, John, where are you at? Where do you stand on this? Don't tell me what you think about last summer. I want to hear what you think about last Wednesday. Wrote a beautiful renunciation of it. It's beautiful. You know, and that's where we need to, we need to say to our friends who are but lefting, but lefting, but lefting, we need to do to them what they did to us during the summer going, do you renounce this? You've lost your spine. Where are you at? I want to hear you. Do you support property rights? You know, and you got you to gotta get in people's face a little bit, but in a polite way, right? Mm-hmm. So don't, don't, we need not, we need don't to fight. Like me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, um, I, I want to start winding this up. We've got a million things to talk about. Uh, I'm going to do a swamp episode tomorrow, so I've got to save some, some of my thoughts, but, um, you know, I, I just uh, keep following my Facebook feed. Sign up for the emails at chrisspangle.com, the private email newsletter, um, which you can get for free if you're a member of Wall Plus. Uh, keep following me there. i got a ton of thoughts, ton to read there at both spots. Uh, Twitter, finding lots of interesting things. Let's just wrap it up with final thoughts. Harry, our local anarchist, what? tell us what you think. All right, so what about is no, no. <laughs> um, You're absolutely right. Uh, I've been trying to discuss and talk with uh, this situation with people and lo- it sometimes when people feel like it comes out to me as like as well you're just what about I was like no 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 I'm not I will discredit that I will discredit that but I mostly have been talking just to leftists and while they just attack this and go after like listen that's cool we denigrate like that but you still haven't done anything from that this summer yeah I will sit here we will talk bad about this all day. I, I'll just sit here for, I'll toss beers back at you and we, we can do this. But all summer long, you have been forgiving, talking, uh, uh, allowing this to happen, stirring up this entire favor. You said, like, well, people have been, um, you said, like, well, Trump's been doing up this anger for the last two, two years, two, four years. It's like, yes. And you have done the same. You're the, it's just like that meme of like Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders were the exact same candidate in 2016. Well, your supporters are probably are more alike than you want to give them credit for. And it's, it is, um, it's disappointing that you've had these conversations for years with some people and that they're not, 
I don't know that that you feel like some people haven't grown, and that's the disappointing when you find people in your friends list or your groups that have not grown, that have not moved on from anything. It's just like you, you feel like they haven't learned anything from the experience. People are stuck in 2017, and like that's mm-hmm. so much of like the moving the conversation back to the left is taking over the yep. social media, and like none of that's good. I don't feel sorry for Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump made his own bed. Mm-hmm. He he was given lots more opportunities than Liberty Memes was given. He was asked. Yeah lightly he you know mm-hmm. at a certain point a property owner has a right not to have insurrections planned on their property you know and and you know there is a but at the same time i think the timing was horrible um, oh yeah and i don't think parlor should have been removed at all they comply with american laws they are a legal mm-hmm. business they are they have a moderation plan we have somebody on the the team that worked at parlor they ban people all the time. It was absolutely ridiculous that Parler was taken off of the platforms. Uh, and all this shit just really, as you heard, it really amps people up. And that's the, that's the consequence of censorship, right? Sure. Freedom of speech is, applies to the government, but it is a value. And mm-hmm. you have to man And so is freedom of association, though. You have no right, right to force yourself on somebody else's property. You have no right to force yourself on somebody else's platform. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, when you're in somebody else's house, you're asked to behave a certain way. And mm-hmm. these companies don't do a good enough job of articulating that. They ban too many people. There's no reason that mm-hmm. Joshua Smith, John Hudak, and Dan Smotes should not be on Facebook. They're not, wh- they're not white supremacists. They're not terrorists. They're just decent libertarians that out, are out there, like, talking about liberty. Like, there's, there was no reason for them to be banned. But, and, but these companies are taking a hammer to a problem that needs a scalpel, and, mm-hmm. and it's a huge problem. I mean, I saw in the pat-down Facebook group with 10,000 people, most of them Democrats, 30 posts being deleted yesterday. You know, I mean, it's not just a right thing. They're banning anybody and everybody who who looks or smells even extremist. So, you know, if you love a podcast, go check out their website, sign up for their email newsletter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the only reason I even logged into Facebook today is because uh, my email box is inundated from Facebook saying, like, I need to update my identity because of the wall page. Thanks, Mm. Chris. Thanks for putting me back on. Thanks. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, when I get killed, I mean, I got threatened by my third Rob Kendall follower today. So when I get murdered by one of these people, I need to uh, – I mean, listen, I bag on libertarians and, and the Ron Paul libertarian crowd, but – you know, and they can be rude. But I have never experienced violent threats as much as I have when I get them from the conservative talk radio crowd. Like these people are unhinged. They're violent. They have violent mm-hmm. fantasies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I just I wish I could show you my DMs from some of these people. I, the, the people that were at that that kind of event that those guys were talking about. I mean, they're yeah. they're nutty. Yeah. Speaking of people going nuts in Broad Ripple, Rob Kendall, when this is all open, oof, oof, we got to make sure there's a chain <laughs> on him holding him down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ryan, uh, are you done with your final thoughts? Yeah, I'm. I'm done. All right. Reinhold, final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. So I had it all in my head and it just all went away. That's okay. As you were talking about something else. But um, really this is what happens when we get two groups of people that are vying for political power and they find that the only re- way they can gain that power is is not through reason debate, 
but they realize that people are much more susceptible to anger and fear. And what we have is people in vying for that political power, um, going out and enraging and scaring their followers, creating two different realities. So we can't have even a shared reality of what is happening. So they can isolate them more away from the other side. Then you start to see patterns of us versus them. And those people are evil and we are good and we're righteous and they're terrible. And, and instead of realizing that every one of us is just a human being trying to get by in the world, trying to do what we think is best, seeing different information and making different decisions and having different views but that doesn't make us enemies and evil. It just makes us need to have those conversations to come to a shared understanding. And as politics has driven a wedge between that stronger and wider, and we see the result of it is what's going on right now. And it can get worse. We need to stop it before it goes there. We need to start realizing that, the the other people aren't our enemy. I the, the people at the at the Capitol building were coerced there, not directly saying, "Hey, go down there, do this," but by feeding fears over and over again and feeding outrage and and anger and hate into these people. That's how they react to it, and, and we see it on both sides. I'm not going to sit here and, and fight the fight of whataboutism and everything else. Um, it's a problem with politics that not enough people are stopping. Uh, I think we did a better job of it for a couple decades in the 70s, you know, after the 70s stuff happened and we kind of got better at it and then it all went away again as soon as we realized we could do it again. And it's generational, I think, you know, every, you know, 40 years we have to kind of go through these same processes again. Um, I wish we'd learn a little bit more from history, but until, until we start looking at it, until somebody on the right looks at somebody, uh, on the far left and says, I disagree with you, but I still love you. You're still a human being. We're still going to work together. We're going to figure this out. And somebody on the left does the same thing to somebody on the right. Hey, I, I disagree with you. I think you're being misled, but I still love you. And until we can come together as a people. Uh, this is just going to get worse. Now, I guess it. I think you have to really look at people who look for violence as a solution to a problem. And uh, if you view violence as a valid tool for social or political change, then you're wrong. You're morally wrong. It's why we oppose the government. It's why we oppose what happened on Wednesday. It's why we oppose violent rioting and looting in the summer. If you use violence to achieve your goals, then you're wrong. And anybody that wants to give cover to those who want to use violence needs to be checked. And right now, the people that want to use violence are, 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 are like, the nature of government is inherently violent. We said it earlier. Everything the government does is at the barrel of a gun. 
You must comply and obey with the government or you will be locked up. You will be killed. They have a monopoly on force. And as libertarians, we wholly reject that and work to build a solution that that will diminish that, if not completely eradicate the monopoly of force. That is the foundational principle of libertarianism. It is that individuals must flourish on their own and that if anyone intervenes with force in their lives, it gets in the way of self-actualization. It gets in the way of them being able to live their lives as they want. So examine every piece of media that comes before your eyes, that you listen to, that you podcast, news, cable news, books. Is this promoting violence? Is this giving cover to violence? Is this giving tacit permission to violence? And if it is, reject it, wrestle with it, push back on it, explain why it's wrong, and, and promote people who have peaceful solutions, who want to innovate into a better world. Because the internet, as ugly as it has made society, it also has given of innovation and lift. I'm doing things for a living thanks to the internet that I, I never thought I could do as a kid because they didn't exist my job and what I do and the way I make money and how I spend that money didn't exist 20 years ago, 10 years ago even. Uh, so we are going to innovate our way into a better world, but it is going to be a tough transition. It already has been a tough transition for the people who worked in factories and steel mills that make up a lot of the people that are at the Capitol. And we need to be uh, patient and we need to... Uh, not be like socks here, just calling us LOLberts as we talk about the non-aggression principle. That's the type of person that uh, examine that person a little bit more and, and what they believe. All right, thanks so much for watching We Are Libertarians, for listening to We Are Libertarians. If you got a lot out of this, the best way to spread the word, to talk about, uh, to, to get people thinking differently about the state of the world is to share your favorite podcast, your favorite independent media, and We Are Libertarians. Thank you so much. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon.